Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And this is Two Teachers Talking. This is number 135. And um, we've been working and teaching in uh, a COVID world for just about a year now. And we're getting ready for um, another year. And today we're going to try and help you and and, and kind of help ourselves a little bit, kind of get a handle on um, all the different ways that we are going to be expected to, going to be asked to teach. Um, and right now you might know uh, whether you're going to be teaching in a classroom or you're going to be teaching online, whether you're going to be doing it live or on demand. Um, you might not know even now. And um, you might think you know. <laughs> and, that, and that may change you before your know. first class. Um, so, um, and that's kind of maybe the the keynote of of, of the whole um, process here is that we you have to we have to be prepared for anything. Um, we uh, as we know from what we learned from last year, uh, there's no formula. <laughs> there's no. Um, um, blueprint for what's going to happen, and uh, just going to have to be uh, on your on your toes, on our toes, um, to respond to whatever changes come. Whether you're teaching on demand, whether you're teaching real time using Zoom, uh, in classroom, face to face, some kind of combination thereof, hybrid, um, or in some cases, some people where you have to do both. At the same time, I, th- I think you're kind of screwed in that case because that's all kinds of problems. Um, but um, we're going to try and cover as many of those bases as we can or help you cover as many of those bases as we can. Um, but just to, uh, up front, and this is kind of mostly for those of us who are kind of stuck with the oral communication type classes, right? Because you're thinking a, a, a writing class or a reading class. Or most of all, a listening class. <laughs> yeah, you don't need us. <laughs> you don't need us. As a, um, episode 79, we did How to Teach Whatever. Episode 73 and 77, Paul Nation uh, interview with him talking about reading, the vocabulary specifically. Um, way back, way back, way back, episode 46 about teaching writing. Um, any of that translates extremely well to online teaching. Go listen to those. Um, yeah, we... we we don't need to do, <laughs> go through that again. Um, but when we get into the more interactive type classes or where we've got to somehow create some uh, simulacrum <laughs> of of communication without contact, uh, it gets a bit more difficult. Okay. And so um, let's maybe... Start with the hardest, huh? Maybe the the on demand stuff, Cheryl. So, uh, whoa. <laughs> well, you got some I feel thoughts. Like Keanu Reeves. Whoa. <laughs> you got some thoughts. And by the way, this is April first, right? So, and there are no April Fool's jokes. We just not there too soon, I guess. The things are going to sound like it, but it's it's not too soon. It's too yeah. soon. Maybe next year we can yeah. enjoy. Uh, a really good season of April f- 1st frivolity, but... Um, not this not year. Not yet. Not there yet. Not there yeah. yet. 
Yeah, I keep thinking about um, Bill and Ted's Excellence Adventure. Where I think Keanu Reeves goes, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Hmm. And that's how I feel right now. It's really, really strange. So let's get on to it, Tony. You're going to ask me some questions, and I'm going to respond, or, and I'm going to flail around with all my frustration and all the difficulties I'm going through right now. So, yeah, so you've got um, uh, – you're in a situation where you are having to do at least some of your classes um, completely on demand, and they are um, at least partially – um, oral communication classes. There's like other components to it, uh, as I understand it. But um, how do you how, how do you what do you, what are you doing? <laughs> how do how do you going to approach um, that oral communication aspect of the class um, when it's on demand, or are you just Put just giving up. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, give up. Yeah, well. Well, let me. Um, let me well, I, I, that's my question. What are you going to do? If I had hair, I'd be pulling it out. Mm. Um, okay, let me kind of give a little context to this because I think I'm teaching under different circumstances. Uh, in one situation, my main school, I, as far as I can understand what I've been told, which is always questionable, is that were face-to-face. But students don't have to attend classes if they're feeling anxious or they're not feeling well, uh, right? They're trying to take into account how students, you know, mental health might be affected, and I think that's a really good thing. The problem is I'm supposed to teach face-to-face, but if a student is missing from the class, we're supposed to have, I guess, for lack of a better term, on-demand materials available to them so that they can get as much out of the class as possible without being there, which basically means is that I'm teaching face-to-face and on-demand simultaneously. Hmm. That's tall a, order, isn't it? That's a really <laughs> tall order. That's, um, it's like, excuse me? It's, uh, it, 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 you just it's doubled a, my, you, you tripled my workload? At least, at least. At because... least, minimally. Because okay, and Here's, you know yeah. the whole question of attendance participation, um, and it make just the uh, the equality or the, the of delivery and ah yeah, at least tripling your work. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's one that's really I'm working really hard trying to figure things out, and you know what. I think everybody learned from last year is that conducting a Zoom class, once you get comfortable with using Zoom, it's not that hard to move from a Zoom class to, or from a face-to-face class, from your oral communication face-to-face class to a Zoom class. Breakout rooms achieve the small groups. The same kind of problems occur, right? Students will either speak English or not speak English, etc. But for me, prepping for a Zoom lesson was not that much different from prepping for a face-to-face lesson. Same I found here. that I could work it pretty well. Same here. Right? I think most people I know would agree on that. I think so. On the other hand, the schools that you know were requiring people last year, and are some of them this year, to teach on demand, everyone knows that those are an incredible amount of work. 
on-demand really requires just so much work. And I, I, I don't know if I'm one of those people who's giving myself extra work trying to make sure the videos are good and the sound quality is good and the materials and the PowerPoint or, you know, slideshows, et cetera. Yeah, on and on and on. So, yeah. So for my main gig, my main school, uh, yeah, that's going to be hard. You know, I don't, I'm not going to know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to teach. You know, should I be video recording myself at, when I'm teaching? Because when people say, okay, well, why don't you record your classroom? And I say, well, all you're going to do is be watching students from a distance working in groups. So I'm really trying to figure out whether I should pre-record the talking part of my class, right, where I explain things or the explanatory part. Because, you know, there's always those mini lecture things, right, where you sure. talk for about 10 minutes. And again, just for anyone who hasn't been listening to the show, is to know that, you know, for Tony and I, um, 60 minutes of students engaging with each other is pretty much like a minimum amount of time for them to be working in an oral kind of communication situation. So my talking might be maxing at 15 minutes, 20 minutes at the most. So I'm thinking maybe I make those ahead of time. The students watch those in the classroom, in groups. Then they talk about it, make sure they understand it, and then they go into the group work. And then the students who are not there will do the work independently. So I think that's how I'm kind of right now initially reacting or responding or trying to work on some solution to that problem. On the other hand, I changed my, my part-time gig and I'm at a new school. Thank you, Tony. But I've never taught there and they have just told us about two, three weeks ago that we're on demand. So this is really weird as I'm teaching a New set of classes to at a school I don't know to students I don't know, and everything is on demand, not um, synchronous, not Zoom. It's on demand, and there's an oral communication component to that, and that I'm thinking is is going to have to involve using, you know, Flipgrid, and students making videos on their phones, but then. Flipgrid seems to be the best way because it allows for the upload of videos. And the problem with videos, students recording themselves, unless you're using like Google Classroom, tends to be file size limits. So what I'm thinking is that I'll do a video, you know, I'll put one of my videos together, talking, sharing information, slides, etc. The students listen to it and then they'll have some prompt where they'll have to do a little bit of research and they're going to have to react to a series to either a prompt or a series of questions they'll post their videos through flipgrid uh, and other students will then be asked to comment on you know three four or five other students videos and create reaction videos to those and that's what i think i'm going to be doing for the oral component in addition to presentations and having them submit presentations online so, yeah, it's kind of weird because I'm really scared about the face-to-face, on-demand kind of combined class. That's mm. scaring me with the amount of work and prep time for that. And then I'm worried and concerned about teaching at a new place, not knowing the students and 
The biggest problem, of course, that I discovered from last year was the lack of feedback, lack of input from students because it's hard to know what's working and not working. Absolutely. So if you're and, doing something on demand, it's like students that you don't know, you'll never really get to know them. Exactly. Hopefully the second semester will be face-to-face, but right now I know the first semester is on demand. So I'm looking at students, I'm I'm never going to see them, I'm never going to really meet them except know them through videos that they post. And the biggest challenge for me right now is how am I going to develop some kind of rapport with them as a teacher, develop that kind of connection that I think is real important for working with students. So... Yeah, after 33 years, the universe has thrown me a monkey wrench. And even though it might sound like I'm concerned and worried, it is one hell of an interesting challenge. And it's pushing me right now. And I'm thinking I imagine. Real, hard, real hard, yeah, really hard about stuff, trying to be creative and innovative. And I I did the terrible thing where I started going back and looking at um, the videos I made. And I didn't realize this, but I made 130 videos last year. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, let me uh, let me it's like j- jump in here at, like, now. But um, one, yeah, in terms of like the number of videos that you do, and uh, you talked about making extra work for yourself. I'll, let me I'll just also say that your standards for your videos are quite high. Um, you do put, <laughs> I think, my opinion, um, a lot of work uh into those into keeping the creating a quality level um which is i don't i don't i would not say excessive but your standards are very very high and um it just in terms of like workload and creating the videos um but also here talking about uh students submitting work and a, a caution to you and and listeners um you want to be careful with that because if you've got a lot of students and if you've got some big classes, at those seconds and minutes add up very, very quickly. Um, and if you have, for example, um, essays or papers to to read and comment on and score, and if in addition to that from each of your students you've got some kind of video project that needs to be viewed and evaluated and maybe commented on. Um, You can really run out of minutes in a week very quickly. Yeah. Uh, So you really have to be careful. And and so like my, my thought was the, um, with the on demand or, or any of these classes actually, um, I think very useful to like maybe work backwards um, start off with your evaluation tool and then, you know, wh- whatever it is that you're going to ask the students to do for whether it's one pro- thing or two things or four things um, that are going to go into their, their final grade. Uh, take a look at that final um, project or piece of work and of course, you evaluate it for its, you know, teaching value, but also keep your sanity in mind um, in in having to go through all of that stuff. Um, because if you know, like like most people, you've got a lot of classes, and and sometimes classes get large, 
um, uh, you may end up with more work than you actually have time to do. And I think I have to be very careful with that. And maybe working backwards is um, one way to maybe prevent it from getting too out of hand. I don't know. Well, I always work backwards. You know, that's that mm. uh, Wiggins and I think Mc, Mc, McPhee, not McPhee, um, but understanding by design where you start from your goals and your outcomes and then you define your assessment instruments. And then you know what you want to teach and then you work from there. What I've been thinking is one thing, by the way, uh, this was a really interesting discovery. I have to see if it works with more fluent, for lack of a better word, um, speakers. But I yeah. found out that uh, with most of my students, that with the videos, if I play them back at double speed, the students sound really natural and normal. <laughs> no, it was really interesting. Mm, I could, mm, I would double mm. the speed from the videos, and I could. They sounded really good. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. it really improved their the uh, understandability of what they were saying, and so I know that. I, for if I ask students to do a two-minute video, I get a one-minute video. I have to listen for a minute, and I, I get as much out of it as I would if I had played it at regular speed. So that's one thing. The other thing I've been thinking about is – and this is going to be very different from the way I usually teach, which is usually – let's say you're teaching three of the same classes on a Monday. Or let's, let's say, just for lack of a better word, four on a Monday – and they're the same classes. Well, I would have those classes in lockstep. That I would do this on Monday, and the homework would be due the following Monday. And that way it was really easy to organize. What I'm thinking this time, it might be that if I have those four classes, let's say two of those classes would submit a video, and two of the classes would submit, let's say, a short um, paragraph. And then that would flip the next week. Okay. So I wouldn't have, you know, a hundred, what? Oh, four, four classes, classes of videos. 120 students so submitting videos. Mm-hmm. Instead, what I'd get is I'd get 60 students submitting a two-minute video and 60 students submitting a paragraph. <laughs> you so, score your paragraphs while you watch the videos. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't say that. Okay. But, you know, speaking of this, you know, I'm going to segue here for just a second and for – any any people anyone who is still resisting using let's say something like Google Classroom I don't know about Google Classroom but some kinds of LMS learning management systems one th- we have a, at my main school we have a ter- a learning management system I just dislike it's just awkward to use it's old and there's just weird thinking and it takes a lot of clicks but what I found out is it's a whole lot easier. Um, when you give an assignment, you can set it so that students can upload a Word file, all right? Or they can upload, let's say, PDF file. Or they can directly upload, you know, they can just copy-paste their writing, let's say, that Word document, that paragraph, two paragraphs, directly into the LMS itself. So it's, it's um, lack of a better word, the answer or the assignment is inside the LMS. And I found out with the school LMS that doing that and then just clicking the next, next, next really allowed me to read, you know, and mark them quickly. I have another window on the side where the, you know, the students um, email is there and I can just send a quick comment to them about what they've done. 
Google Classroom, on the other hand, I found out, even though there are problems with Google Classroom, is that it's really, really nice on the iPad. I have a 12.9-inch iPad. It's pretty big. And I can just lay down or sit down on the sofa and easily go through and just click next, 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 mark and add a comment and move very, very easily through the assignment. So there's that aspect to it, but I still am not convinced that that's faster than, for example, I'm having my students submit PDFs of their homework because then I can just, it opens in one window and I can just click, click, click and move through each one. But yeah, that's that was a segue over to you know, how I'm going to try to manage things, I think. But just in case anyone out there is not using those systems yet, figure out which parts of the system really do save you time. Anyway, sorry, I went off track there, Tony. No, that's the, oh, that thing's very, very good advice. Um, and uh, it's I think that's however, whether you're going to use an LMS or you're going to um, cook up something on your own, to re- it, whatever energy you put into um, thinking it out in advance, and like you just said, what your what the submissions are actually going to look like, and how um, easy it will be for you to you know to access the the document, um, then to evaluate it, and then to record the evaluation. Um, that that workflow, that process. Um, Bears serious study and consideration. Um, yes, it makes a big, big difference when you get it right and yes. when you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the discovery it's a life changer. <laughs> well, the discovery that um, Google Classroom works really nicely on the iPad, hmm. but the LMS does not. Hmm. Was really good, so I was like, "Oh, okay, I see now. Here I have." more freedom where I'm going to work. Okay, if I wanted, I could work, let's say, you know, away from my desk if I'm using Google Classroom. But I say, ah, this school has this LMS. That means I want to be at a computer. And I want to be with my, you know, two screens. So I have the students work on one side and the, you know, the ability to comment on the other, you know, my list of comments and stuff that I use to respond to students. So, yeah, I think the big difference I'm going to do this year is a bunch of little things that students have to submit. And just, you know, like, instead of, like, asking them to write, let's say, maybe a whole, you know, um, you know, three paragraphs or four paragraphs or pre- make a big presentation, ask for shorter things. I'm going to ask for just, uh, give me a quick reflection paragraph here. What did you think? What was interesting? What was not? Submit those every other week. Um, put up a two-minute video or three-minute video of some ideas. And then every, let's say, three or four weeks in the semester, there'll be a more, you know, um, formative assessment and a summative assessments will be occurring. So I'm looking at, let's say, you know, a 16-week semester, 15-week semester. I'm looking at, let's say, four larger submissions, which will be staggered, I think, Right, half the classes mm-hmm. will submit one week, and then half the classes will submit the following week, and a bunch of little things that I can just you know quickly look at, eyeball read, and re- respond to quickly. And I think, yeah, that yeah, I like that. I like that. And, and a, a slight variation on that, um, in, you can do it like with, as you said, discrete um, mini assignments. But what I've had some luck with in the last year is to. When I have one of those um, larger 
um, assignments looming, then break down into um, ta- smaller tasks, so, uh, smaller parts, uh, procedural things. So, you know, for example, you know, just you know, you know, duh, I'm a very simple example. There's going to be some kind of essay due, like on the fifth week. Then you know the the second week, the third week, they've got to have the outline. They, yeah, they have the topic. The next week, they've got to have the outline. Um, next one, they've got to have you know some maybe a first draft, and then the final one. They submit the the final piece. Um, and uh, these pieces, these things, um, don't need uh, a lot of um, detailed um, scoring or feedback. But uh, just say, okay, they've done this, they've done this, and you, you flag the major problems. But kind of the same, kind of similar to what you're talking about. But um, to uh, kind of break down the, the bigger project into steps. But uh, the 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 mini the the, the having more. Smaller assignments is yeah is is a really good way I think to to approach that. Hmm. Well, I was thinking you know that's how you know the mini assignments also are part of the bigger assignments. But I'm just thinking that you know I'll know that once a month I'm going to have a weekend where <laughs> I'm really busy. <laughs> Instead, well, of, you know, you're kidding yourself, but not one. <laughs> It's not going to be one weekend a month, man. Well, it's you, it's going to be like it's it's it, they're all going to be hard, man. They're I understand that, but I'm but what I'm yeah, what I, yeah I found yeah. out here some are going to be worse than okay. others. Yeah, but but here's the thing: what did I learn from last year, other than nothing? Um, you know, flat learning curve and everything is that I think it makes a lot more sense for students to write two or three sentences, and then for me just to say, hmm. I like this idea. What about X? And just send that back to them. And there's more back and forth that way than, you know, the submission of a kind of a larger assignment once every three or four weeks. And then, you know, I spend God knows how much time trying to get it out on time over the weekend and I never do. And then the the feedback comes back late. So I'm wondering whether lots of small things that are easy to grade and, you know, that – are easy to give feedback to, you know, like, so, okay, so you watch a TED talk and then to say, okay, tell me two things about Ken Robinson's ideas about education that you liked and two of his ideas that you didn't like. And the students just have to write like five or six sentences. And I'm not checking grammar at that point. I'm looking at their ideas and it's really easy to say, okay, 90 to 100 means that you notice something really important or that I consider important or I didn't think about and I found interesting. 80 to 90 indicates that you found what you found shows you understood. 70, 80 means you have a basic idea. You know, under 60 means you, I don't think you, it seems like you didn't really grasp the main idea. And that's just standardized grading systems like that. And I think that's what I'll be doing is using those kinds of rubric systems so that students know what I'm looking for. I think that's going to be the biggest difference, by the way, this year is the use of a lot more rubrics for students to say, okay, this is how I'm going to grade you, right? Mm -hmm. I'm looking for, you know, are your ideas insightful in the sense that they show not, you know, that you watched, you listened, and that your ideas are independent of the video, but are connected and expand on what you watch. You know, I'm not, I haven't done them yet, but I think that's going to be a big difference this year too. So, you know, I, 
think that that's a lot of smaller things that can be done quickly and easily by the students that increase the amount of back and forth is going to be valuable and useful. What do you think, Tony? I think um, one of the things um, that uh, might bear, um, whether you know, whether it's applicable in your situation or uh, other people's, um, uh, with the mandates from the school saying, okay, this has to be this way, has to be that way. Um, well, you know me, I'm always <laughs> pushing the limits. But um, so, for example, when uh, a school says the classes all need to be all on demand, what um, other restrictions might there be? So, for example, does that rule out the use of, for example, conferences, student conferences? So is um, would it be, <clears throat> as, as a lot of teachers do, um, acceptable to have two weeks of the semester where you don't have a regular class, but you schedule you know one-to-one conferences with students and with whatever medium that they prefer, right? Whether it's Zoom, Skype, FaceTime. Um, you know, of course, scheduling is a nightmare, of course. Um, but is does that, when it says that they must be on demand, does it rule out those kinds of things? So you talked about the interaction and things. So maybe, so for example, con, uh, this kind of consultation, after maybe, for example, the one big assignment, um, rather than writing the comments, um, you have the, the students individually, you know, five-minute um, consultation with the students spread out over two weeks or whether three weeks in lieu of regular class. And then, you know, the, the, for their regular classes, they're still are doing some kind of on-demand work. But is it, if you're doing the uh, presenting the work um, um, just as a downloadable uh, content, does that preclude or forbid any kind of other interaction with the students? Don't know. I mean, that would be obviously different for everybody. And, um, you know, you might either ask the university or, um, as, as some people might do, just do it. And then if they don't like it, apologize later. Huh. Don't know. I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting idea. <laughs> I think the other possibility is that. I might make audio recordings and make those available to the students, mm-hmm. right? Mm. And so, you know, student submits a paper and I'll say, hey, Tato, thanks. Um, I'm looking at your paper. I, I like the introductory paragraph. Your thesis statement is stated clearly. However, I was noticing in paragraph one that your supporting sentence or your topic sentence, you know, is at something or some condition and just giving them a quick, you know, audio recording that they can listen to and go over their paper, which would basically be somewhat closer to how I would actually do that in a real writing class. And that'd be really nice if, if somehow the, um, the LMS that the school provides or um, whatever, however you're managing uh, the, uh, the, uh, the submission and then the, the feedback loop, uh, if you can do that with minimal work, right? So if it's 
the LMS, for example, whatever, like when you receive the work, if the response supports like, you know, voice, to, either recording the voice or voice to text right. or whatever, um, so that it doesn't, you don't need to, one, create an audio file, then find the audio file, then attach it and send it. Um, you, you know, little things, but when you have to do them a hundred times, it becomes really big things <laughs> yeah. really fast. It's really true. Um, um, I think I, I want to, I need to look at that because some LMSs allow for that. Some don't. Mm-hmm. Google uh-huh. is better than others. But the other thing that you mentioned, I was going to mention too, is uh, speech to text apps mm-hmm. and just, you know, speaking out, Dictation. And it's just using dictation and then just sending that to the students and say, hey, just want you to know I'm using dictation software and this is me talking about uh, to your paper and then they just get that document. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that as well. So as another yeah. shortcut. The and also thing, like with the, with the on-demand things, does it, is it also allowed um, – to you know, when you say okay, you have to, your teaching has to be all on demand. Does that mean you can't assign students to groups and have them meet face to face on their own, uh, or on Zoom, or on other ways um, to submit group projects that they could work on together? Um, is that okay or not okay? Well, you know, I want to. We we, we actually should do an episode on group work, group projects, because I'm having a complete rethink of group projects. Uh, I don't think it's fair scoring for students. It's just been too much of a consistent. I don't rely on it too much myself. Yeah, I, I and I know my daughter was in was doing some group work, and that was the lowest score she received <laughs> in a class. Her individual work was like really high level, but the group work did not go so well. So she didn't think that was very fair. A couple of things I'm thinking about. Well, the first one is, is the place that said that it's on demand said so because they can't find enough large enough spaces or rooms for people. And they're worried about network load. Mm hmm. So that says to me that students can get in touch with each other through line and share work and communicate with each other. Sure. Yeah. But I'm also thinking of uh, you know some kind of bulletin board service, and I was looking at um, there's a I think it's something called U Talk or Town Talk. I have to look it up again. It's an open source commenting kind of bulletin, you know, for commenting on a website. Mm-hmm. conversation bulletin board kind of thing that does no tracking it really gives people privacy so i'm actually thinking of running a server with that and just eating the cost on that but the other thing i'm thinking about because the school said it's on demand because of network load and one possible thing is i'm going to run office hours once a week in a zoom session yeah, and something that's like that. Be right? yeah. Open to anybody, you know. And I'll just tell my students that between, you know, five o'clock to six o'clock on a Thursday or Wednesday, whatever, or five to six thirty. That here's the Zoom session. It will be running. Anybody can drop in if you want to talk to other students. You'll be able to talk to other students if you want to ask me questions or talk with me. You'll be able to do that. And I'm just going to offer that across the board. I like that. Right. And it also, it doesn't have to be from students from the same school. 
Right. Yeah. 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 Right. And I'll just, you know, you know, have my iPad open. And if somebody comes on, you know, I'll see it. I'll notice it and, you know, talk with them. My guess is a few students will use it. Most will not. But that's the other way to get feedback to students and say to students, hey, if you want to talk about your paper, you know, um, send me a quick email about what time and we'll schedule a time where we can just do a quick Zoom thing. The school has not – last year I had one school that completely banned – anything like Zoom or Google Meet. We were absolutely not allowed to use any of those ways of uh, interacting with students. But that was just one place. Um, everything else seems to be... Do they have the same policy this year? or what, What's no, I don't, they no, doing this uh, year? Yeah, I don't think so. I'm not there. But oh, okay. The new place um, just specifically said it's a network load issue as well as a room availability issue. Mm-hmm. So until they specify to me that I'm not allowed to have any kind of you know, Zoom or synchronous kind of meeting with students, I'll just assume that it's okay. They have not explicitly said that. And if they do say that I wasn't supposed to do that, <clears throat> then, you know, as you say, I will apologize. Yeah, that well that's you know that's that's generally that's generally my approach as well. Even last year where um half an error on my part and half um my own willfulness because I kind of missed the um the directive somehow. But I don't know if that I would have filed it anyway. Um, right. Where the, <laughs> Did I miss the, uh, the, the The first semester was supposed to be all online. Um I mean on demand. And uh, somehow I, I just maybe I, I saw it and I said I, I just didn't couldn't grok it couldn't didn't make sense I just glossed over it I don't know I don't remember if it was in English or in Japanese but I just like you know whatever so I'm I'm just going to do Zoom and I went through the whole most of the first semester and then toward the end it says well next semester you'll you'll be able to do Zoom classes and we've set up these Zoom accounts for you and I go huh. <laughs> I've been doing these Zoom classes now for ten Whoops. weeks, <laughs> but no students, no, no students complain. <laughs> luckily, um, and I don't know if the school ever found out or not. Um, well, yeah, that whole but, thing about the students complaining—it's like I can't remember what it was once, but something happened. And after at the end of the semester, I found something out, and I said to my students, "I said, and none of you ever told me this. <laughs> I'd been doing something wrong, right? I think that yeah. you know, I think I was teaching the wrong subject. I don't know. I was teaching, I was teaching reading to like a speaking the class wrong for all I know, <laughs> and." Uh, <laughs> I found this out at the end of the minute, and none of you told me this. <laughs> oh, no, that's 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 so typical. Uh, yeah. I, had, I had a student complain that there was uh, uh, too much time in breakout rooms. There was too much discussion. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> right, right, right. Or they would say something like, you know, uh, nobody was talking in the breakout rooms. Yeah, that's my it's fault. Like, why are you telling me this on the last day of class? Mm-hmm. Okay, you know it's just such a different approach, but yeah, okay. those are some of the things I'm doing. I think a big key is increasing, let's say, the amount of back and forth, but decreasing the quantity at one time. 
is going to be one strategy I'm going to use. It's a it's a real balancing act. It's, it really it's, is. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard and just it's limited resources, right? And basically, time. Yeah. Uh, that is the, the the one resource that is um, in in biggest demand. It's just really hard to um, both in the planning and just the the execution. I mean, just doing it and then you know at the end the evaluation is really hard. But so, so I think in the big picture, I think the on-demand type classes and uh, then oh, um, hybrid, which is the hybrid one, everything but just worse, right? Yes, exactly. It's everything yeah. but just worse. And God help you if if you're if you're stuck with that. If you have to do both, like you said, um, you're expected to deliver both face to face and on-demand to the same. Group class of to the same yeah. group of students. Uh, things, you know, I mean, how do you then even attempt to put any kind, you know, scoring on, you can't, on attendance, participation, it's just, um, I don't know. I just don't know what you right. do. It, it totally throws your assessment, your fairness, right? Any equitable assessment out the door. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's just gone. I mean, you know, some students, and think about it, okay, I'm thinking, the school says to me, I'm a student, if you're feeling anxious about coming to class, you don't have to come to class. Just let your professor know that you're feeling anxious, right? Well, I got a 90-minute commute to school. Hmm. I think I'm going to miss my morning classes. I feel anxious. I feel anxious. Mm. And I can't, you know, I I would be tempted to do that at times, wouldn't you? Um. What? Given yeah. the crowded trains here, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, well, I'm, yes, I'm anxious every time I get on a train, especially now. But I've never been a big fan of the, of, of the trains and the commuting. But uh, yeah, especially now, it's like, yeah, I'm always anxious. Right. Um, I mean, what, I'd I much say rather this. be doing my classes at home. Yeah, I wanted to sit at school. What about the teachers? Right. I'm feeling anxious going, you know, getting on trains with people who I don't know how responsible they are. And mm-hmm. the worst part is 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. You know, sorry, all of my students out there, a lot, most of you are pretty responsible. But, you know, I was like... A, Does it take a, too many <laughs> irresponsible uh, hey, ones? I was, at, I was at graduation last week. And, you know, the, <clears throat> the classrooms have, like, glass windows so you can see across the hallway into the other classes, right? Cause, mm. And they're, you know, really wall-to-wall glass, okay? And there were these, the they had finished the graduation ceremony and five, six students had stayed after, and there were two guys who, for 25 minutes, just were talking without wearing their masks. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at that thinking, huh, you know, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. Because the worst part of it is that, you know, okay, let me let me go on to can I can I move to another thing real quickly go, that I'm go, really go. trying to deal with, and I, I I foresee this as being the, the a really big problem that nobody has like tried to address yet. At my school, all language classes are supposed to be face to face because you know they benefit them be you know or they mm-hmm, they like mm-hmm, the fact mm-hmm. that they're hands on interactive. Okay, mm-hmm. well I don't know who's going to be across the classroom the hallway from me, right? And this is like a, you know, 1.5, two meter wide classroom. Let's say it's a two meter wide hallway, okay? Windows are supposed to be open, right? And I have to open the windows for on the inside, right? 
that go into the hallway right, as well. Right. I have to have the doors open. My yeah. students have to be sitting a minimum of one meter apart from each other when they're doing group work. Do you know how loud my classes are going to be? And the guy across the hall who's the guy across his class the hall in is going to. Is he has his German <laughs> students going or and repeat after me? Yeah, this is the Wiener Schnitzel. Because I, I had that, actually, I had that <laughs> not, not the last year, but like way, way before, there was a German teacher across the hall and you know, listen and repeat. And that's what I was like, man, just even with the door closed, it's like you know, because all his 20 students are all shouting out and repeating whatever he's saying. And it's like, oh man, exactly. So I think there's going to be so much disruption that way. And I mean, and then also, of course, there are the, the teachers who are just lecturing. Because yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that the class across the hallway from me is a language class. And of so, course, the people really like to talk into the microphone <laughs> and crank up the PA system. You mean like this? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so you'll have that. And so the only strategy I can find is that, you know, the teacher will say, I'm sorry, you know, your class is really noisy. Is there anything you can do? And I'm just going to say, I'm sorry. I was told to have face to face classes. If you have a problem, please take it to the school. Because I can see that the people who came up with this idea haven't taught. Yeah, yeah. Because I, know how I have works. 35 students, let's say, per class, face-to-face, -face, in a large room, right? Because they have to put us into larger rooms. I don't know, think they're staggering the rooms, but I know that... Well, that's impossible. What's going to happen is that students are going to have to be talking really loud to hear each other. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's like I... And I, I wanted to say to the school... And that by itself is also a problem, right? Because they're by by the very time when you're talking and shouting, you're emitting more of exactly whatever so, you're emitting, right? Which leads me to my next point, which is <laughs> I was explaining to somebody I said, "Do you guys understand? You have this backwards. Lecture classes should be face to face because the students are not talking to each other, and I want to say because most of them are sleeping anyhow, but." Um, they're not talking with each other, so they're not, you know, spewing viral material into the air. With these face-to-face -face classes that are, you know, like mine, where students are spending 60, 70 minutes at least talking, you're talking about a huge amount of viral particulate matter being spewed into the air. Yeah, right. And you talk about like, getting back, which is actually situation. perfectly backwards, right? They, so you, yeah, start, you, talk exactly about, backwards. you talk about like the, the network load. It's like, okay. How many classes do we have that need to be real-time? For example, Zoom. All right? Okay. So how, much, how many classes, you know, what, what's, the, what's the network load? All right. So what else can be, what else can the network handle? So we get to a certain point. Okay, fine. So there's a certain number of classes that need to be face-to-face. -face. What should they be? Oh, there you go. And you start with your lectures, right? And your labs, and your experiential type class, whether it's music, you know, physical education, uh, etc. But uh, yeah, totally back, completely backwards. <laughs> yeah, because I want to say that you know, if for all intensive purposes, I can do in a Zoom session what I do face to face. Pretty close, right? Pretty close. I can I can get I think easily eighty percent, eighty five percent of the way there. The only difference is that. It's easier for me from the front of the classroom to see what's happening in the different groups and pairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah observing the students and um, 
uh, yeah, picking up and you know monitoring more than one group at a time is you um, can't do. You can't do you can't do that online unless you have like two piece you know two devices going at the uh, same time. That gets kind of crazy. But, but yeah, the point is, I can get eighty percent of the way there. Yeah, yeah. Right. So why am I putting myself and all these students into high risk situations where they're spewing into the air? Right. And then, of course, then there are other weird solutions to this problem. But I, I, you know, I see that the lecture classes where you have one person basically talking for 90 minutes, right? Or I would, should just say to, you know, I wonder how much money is saved by, you know, last year not having to pay travel money to people. How much money was saved for uh, air conditioning and heating costs? Oh, here's here's my favorite one. We were, we've been specifically told, right, that windows must be open. Right, for ventilation. Right, right. What's happening in rainy season? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what am I – there are these classrooms I, I teach in, and yeah. they, um, they're on the second floor. And so they have like those, you know, outside the window is like the awning. And when it's, you know, heavy rain in rainy season, that water kind of bounces up against the windows when they're closed. <laughs> and, the, you know, half – you know, the whole side of the room is going to be just wet. Stu, mm-hmm. it's going to be hot. What am I supposed to do? Run the air conditioning at the same time? It's going to be unbearably unpleasant, I think. So I'm. No, it's going to be a hard year for sure. Yeah. There's no, there's no way around that. Yeah, I think people are going to be stressed out. I think people are not used to traveling. I think people are going to be exhausted by the. I think it's be worse than last year. April. I, yeah, yeah. I think that's you know, Tony. I think we're going to look at last year and go, "Wow, last year was smooth." Hmm. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. I'll have to stand by it and have to own up to it if I'm wrong in a year. But I think that's really the case. That I see this year as being much more difficult. I see it that what happens when students start testing positive, right? Do you close the school down? Do you wait for a certain amount of numbers? That class, let's say I have a student who comes to class one week and they test positive. Then I'm not what all the students have to stay home for two weeks, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So now I have two weeks of on-demand class, and you don't know, you can't predict when week week. that's going to happen or how. It's like in your planning. Is like, oh, well, yeah, and that happened to me too in uh, this last year. Um, yeah, I, I had planned. You know, it was a Zoom class, and it was their ostensibly their final exam. Was it their final exam? I don't think it was a final exam, but it was uh, the maybe the second um oral um test day um for zoom classes and um for whatever reason it was the last class in december and um for whatever reason the, the mandate came from school it's like no all those this is all going to be on demand that day so no you can't do any zoom classes mm. <laughs> that that's going to be hard because <laughs> yeah. we didn't have this one. Okay, we just canceled the test because we only had one meeting in January, and that was something else, right? So it's like, okay, so okay, no test, guys. You're happy, but uh, you never know when that's going to get sprung, right? It's a yeah, another outbreak, um, an outbreak at the at the specific school where you're at, um, re, you know, changing the schedule and cha- and changing things up. Um, 
uh, you know, a week in advance, um, you have to be uh, kind of establish these kind of super, super, supernatural powers to cope with the um, unknown that lies ahead, right? It's rough. Yeah, that's really, really true. And, you know, I was, you know, I noticed we're recording today. What is it, the 29th? Yes. Right. Yesterday was the first time where Osaka's, the number of new cases in Osaka exceeded the number of cases in Tokyo. Imagine. Imagine that. Half the population. <laughs> well, they've, right? they've, they've lifted the restrictions. No one's getting vaccinated. Uh, it is no safer today than it was in July last year, June last year. I think the numbers um, are the same. And the idea of having any classes face to face is uh, crazy. Yeah, uh, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, no, there, there are no vaccinations. I have a very scary table. Um, I suppose maybe, maybe as we as we wind down, I guess. But the 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 um, the numbers are pretty amazing. This is um, as of uh, last week. I'll, find, I'll get the source and I'll include it in the on the web page. Um, but we have uh, this is from March fifteenth. Um, well, it's, it's Singapore data is March fifteenth. China is March twentieth. So it's it's like maybe about a week old. <clears throat> this is the. Um, a number of people who are vaccinated uh, per 100 people or population. Israel, just over 100. <laughs> There's 100, 100 it looks like about 100. People are 110, getting like 110 for, for every 100 people. So yeah, yeah, you can vaccinate twice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a good job. The Emirates, um, 65 more or less. The UK, about 40. The United States, about 38, looks like maybe. Singapore, maybe around 10. Germany, 10. France, maybe a little bit less, eight or nine. Japan, two. 0. 0.46. My God. 0. 0.46. Right, and people won't be able to get the vaccinations until June if they're over 65. Yeah. Yeah. And we're we're having, and the numbers are definitely increasing, right? Definitely on an upward trend. Yeah, so yeah, not enough people are getting sick. Let's lift those restrictions. Let's get those numbers up. Yeah, I was, yeah, I I go to, what is it? The COVID19japan.com tracking site. Hmm. And right now... Like yesterday's numbers were oh seventeen eighty five before that two thousand two thousand. Well, to go put that in perspective, the last time we had two thousand in Japan was oh you know sometime in December around December second. Mm. Okay, and then maybe November eighteenth, and those were all when things were trending upwards. Okay. All right, 2,147 February 8th, it went down, and now it's just going back up again. And, you know, the timing could not be worse. So we're going... Right, April, I mean, those schools coming back, that's, yeah, it's... mm, 
And we have Hanami, where we're going to have to wait for the effects of Hanami. Right? Cherry blossom viewing. And then there's going to be Golden Week. I, th- you know, as I say, I think, you know, come June, I can't see how we can be in the classroom. But I can't see physically how you can be in a classroom with open windows in the middle of rainy season. Mm. Right? And they're the st- again, the students, remember, the students don't have to come to class. So I'm going to get like 10, 12 students, which, you know, it might be healthier and safer. But then now I've got this double grading system. Anyway. It's going to yeah, be an interesting. It's may you live in interesting times. It's going to yeah. be an interesting year. Well, maybe but, uh, time- if we get like a maybe, just like as it, as it winds down, maybe just like a little bit of a positive nah. thing. But um, nah, let's not be positive. no, no, no. Come no. on, come on. Now I'm depressed. Yeah, well, that's why we, we end something positive. Let's, so oh, that's um, what's making me depressed. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually. Eventually, as as um, as awful as things have been, and as awful as things look for the near future, eventually, uh, this will get better uh, for the survivors, and um, we will be, or you will be, <laughs> <laughs> you all will be back. You will all be, will be back face to face in the classroom. Um. And when you do, and, and and it's safe, and you know, anxiety has lessened, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you remember to to take what you learned from you know the on demand teaching and the hybrid classes and the the Zoom classes. What can you take away to make your classroom teaching? Better, more effective, easier. Um, well, we will get better at this. Yes, and but, and a lot of a lot, what we're what we're doing with with the tech and online stuff. We don't just because we're going back to the classroom doesn't we have to like shut put any of that away. No, no, keep no, no, the no. keep the good stuff and use it. Well, I'm just thinking that all the materials I have now definitely. Yeah. Definitely amps up the differentiated learning quotient. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I can yeah. turn to students and say, "Okay, well, if you didn't understand this, here's Here, the video here's link. to watch. Why don't yeah. you watch this video while the other people are working? Listen to it at your own speed. You can slow it down, right? And there's also there's a translation, right? There's the closed captioning. And then if you have any questions, let's get back to it, and then we'll put you back in the group. There you go. Right. So I, I don't think it's all bad at all. And we yeah, will yeah. get better at it. I only think the way it's being administered <laughs> is the problem. That's all. Yeah, and, you know, like yeah, I, saw, yeah. you know, I was talking with some other teachers, and we said, you know, if the schools had said, you know what, plan for on-demand. But if we can do face-to-face, we'll go to face-to-face. Because it's really easy to go from on-demand to face-to-face, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's really hard to go from face-to-face to on-demand. And it's really hard to do face-to-face and on-demand at the same time. Worst case well, it scenario. can be it can it can be harder for some students to 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 flop back and forth depending on whether they're like living on campus or near campus or you know hundreds of kilometers away at their parents' house. Yeah, that flip flops. So that that's a that's a that's a tough one. But aside from that, yeah, 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 and I feel bad for students who you know Ooh. really need consistency. Yeah, and then you know, it, yeah, and they don't they, they don't know either, right? Right. They're they're, they're kind of. We're just. So do I need an apartment? Do I not need? Where am I going to live? I'm going to be in my bedroom. Am I going to be in some new place that I haven't seen yet? 
um, what do I do if I get sick and I my family's you know in a yeah. different city? Do I yeah. get on the train, go home? You know, I don't know how to take care of myself. Who's going to take care of me? Hospital here? Do I? You know, right. What oh, do I do? Man. You know, uh, is next week on demand? Is next week face to face? I don't know what to do. I don't know how to plan. Should I go home this weekend? Should I not go home this weekend? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and just. I feel bad for the students, but we have to do our best to make sure that they have the most amount of options. And it's just, you know, there's nothing we can do except to try to, you know, meet their needs. And maybe yeah. a good place to stop, Tony. Yeah. I just got one couple of two little things. Is like two we, little we things? talked about it before. Two little things. Okay. Um, just a reminder, streamline your evaluation as much as you can for your own sanity. Um, What's that? Say again? Streamline your oh, evaluation. Okay. Um, now more, more than ever, you know, the evaluation tasks, may, ex, look at everything from beginning to end, make sure that you're not assigning something that doesn't really add to their education. Uh, that really doesn't help you in, in evaluating them. Um, don't make your evaluations longer than they need to be, whether it's timed oral things or whether it's numbers of questions and things. Um just for your own sanity to streamline things as much as possible, process and instrument. Um, and um, if you, regardless of whether you're in the classroom, well, yeah, I guess, I mean, that's, that's, or hybrid or online or in, in real time, um, something that I learned last year, and um, may, maybe some of you already know, figured this out on your own, how much more important it is to check student comprehension. Um, we in a in a in a classroom, you know, we we've kind of developed like a, a spidey sense. <laughs> you kind of get a an, an inkling that's like, okay, you don't. I said I explained this twice or three times, but looking at their faces, it's like, oh, I'm not sure that they really get it. We ha- don't have that spidey sense yet for the online teaching, and sometimes it's possible if it's like on demand. If you're, you know, doing a video, it's like you need to have some kind of feedback loop, some kind of instrument um, to really check student comprehension, because I think that's when it comes to online, um, we, we, we mentioned it a little bit today, um, that is one of the hardest parts uh, of online teaching is monitoring, checking student comprehension of what's happening and what is basic instructions, what they're supposed to do, let alone the actual content of the lesson and things. Well, I, I think... Uh, you know, teachers really needs to um, make conscious efforts to, um, to to zone in on that. I think that's really important. It's one of those places where a face-to-face, the face-to-face exit ticket mm-hmm. works perfectly. Just have the students you know, post a comment and you ask a question like, what were the three main ideas I discussed in about note-taking systems? Right. Or tell me yep. what was most interesting for you or tell me something you didn't understand. <clears throat> simple yeah. note. Yeah. yeah. Simple exit ticket. And you ask the students, I just need a one sentence, two sentence answer. Right. Or you can even just ask them just, you know, do a Google form that way. Do a Google form and you can and, actually have like preformed questions. Right. And have them, you know, check, check, check. Or I understood everything. Right. And then, or you can just have on a scale of, you know, zero to 10, how much do you feel you understood? Zero yep. to 10, how useful was it? Right. And then it just goes into a spreadsheet and you can look at it. Yeah. But the exit ticket really is a good, what, what should I say? A transferable technique to 
the online class. Yep. Okay. It's mm. a good place to stop, Tony. I think so. All right. Well, good Say luck, folks. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Charles. And uh, yeah, good luck, folks. I mean, thank um, you to the audience. For um, yeah, for it's, a, it's a hard year ahead. It's a hard year ahead. And uh, um well, what can I say? As we say here in Japan, do your best. Okay. Go, Yeah. All right. So, I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. Two Teachers Talking. Okay. Two Teachers Talking at gmail.com if you want to there get in touch go. with us. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Good luck on the beginning of the school year. There we go. All right. Thanks, Tony. See you. <laughs> <laughs>